This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America in Houston, Texas. Please join us on Sundays at 8.15 and 10.30 a.m. for Holy Communion and visit us on the web at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this special day to which we are turned with our hearts and minds uh, to your kingship, that you are Lord of lords and King of kings, yet different from any other king who has ever reigned. We pray that you would come and reign in our hearts and lives, our families, our nation, our world. We now give ourselves, our souls, and our bodies to thee. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's a great day to be visiting with you and share in the procession of the palms and uh, be in your midst. If you think about it, Palm Sunday is a tale of two processions. St. Matthew, along with the other Gospels, describes the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. But another procession declaring victory also took place at the same time every year in Jerusalem. Historians tell us that it had become the custom of the Roman governor, such as Pontius Pilate, to live outside Jerusalem. But it was also their custom to come with their soldiers to Jerusalem at Passover time to provide a very visible and powerful Roman military presence at that volatile time to prevent any potential uprising, for there had already been uprisings and many crucifixions in Jerusalem. So in all probability, Pontius Pilate was conducting a triumphal procession into the city at the same time of Jesus Christ, only on the other side of Jerusalem. The Roman governor's procession would have come from the west at the head of a column of imperial cavalry and soldiers. It would have been an impressive and lavish procession, specially designed to impress the whole world with a visible display of imperial power. Cavalry on horses, foot soldiers, leather armor glistening with a metal covering in the sun, helmets, weapons, banners, golden eagles mounted on poles, sun glinting on metal and on gold. On the other side of the city, however, down from the Mount of Olives in the north came Jesus Christ and his humble procession. No pomp, no ceremony, dressed simply like the people, riding on the back of a donkey and followed by his disciples drawn from amongst the peasants and the common people. Surely there would have been a modest company in the group with that strewed palm leaves and, and their clothing on the road bef roads before him. Think of the characters from Jesus' ministry that surely would have been in that crowd on that first Palm Sunday. Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, 
Not all that long ago, by the way. Mary and Martha, the two sisters of Lazarus. Zacchaeus, the wee little tax collector, climbed a palm tree to see Jesus. Nicodemus, the Pharisees, who came to him by night. Lepers, who had been cleansed. Lame, who had been made to walk. Now they could walk in the procession. Blind, who had been enabled to see. And countless others, who had been imprisoned by all manner of ailments, physical and spiritual. They greeted Jesus Christ with singing hosannas, a word which literally means help, save me. They cried out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was an extraordinary but a modest procession compared to the other one probably taking place across town. Jesus' ride into Jerusalem was obviously headed for a collision with the powerful Roman Empire. Collision that would cost him his life and change history forever. Jesus' triumphal entry in Jerusalem may have begun with crowds shouting Hosanna, but it ends with Good Friday and the apparent triumph of the powers of the Roman Empire and Satan. It does not end with a gold crown, but with a crown of thorns. Jesus' triumphal entry ends with his willingness to take unto himself all the pain and suffering of our world so that together we can celebrate the beginning of a new procession that starts one week from today. The procession of Easter Sunday that leads us into God's banquet feast and the wonder of God's eternal world. In a book called The Last Week, we're told of the collision of two processions. It was not just a clash of kingdoms, but of theologies. Augustus was the emperor, was the son of Apollo and called the son of God. He was known as the Savior who had brought peace on earth. There was the great Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Of course, peace by the power of the sword. After his death, there were reports that he, this Roman emperor, had ascended into heaven. His successors continued to bear divine titles as representatives of the Son of God, the peace giver. On the other hand, Jesus was the true Son of God. He was indeed the Savior of the world. The Jews were looking for a Messiah, kind of like this Roman emperor, to restore God's kingdom. They wanted a majestic leader. That day, Jerusalem witnessed the clash of two kingdoms, the world versus heaven. It was all part of Jesus' plan in fulfilling an ancient prophecy from which we've heard today in Zechariah. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall command peace to the nations. The clash of two processions in history. It is religious 
It spills over into the political. The religious clash is best summarized by C.S. Lewis. To paraphrase him, it is not as though all the religions of the world are on the same mountain pursuing God. It's just that all the religions of the world except for one are going the wrong direction. They're all going downhill away from God. Only one, Christianity, is truly going up the mountain into a relationship with God. Lewis is correct. All other religions are in the final analysis based on knowing their God are the gods by human effort and human works. The biblical faith from the beginning of the Bible to the end, from Abraham to St. Paul, is summed up in one simple statement from the book of Romans. The just shall live by faith. All relationship in the final analysis occurs by trust. Ask anybody in a marriage or any meaningful relationship, how important is trust to your relationship? It's the heart of it. Without trust, there can be no relationship. Biblical faith is trust. We are called today to recognize the heart of the clash of the two processions. Our procession is grounded in trust in Jesus Christ as the true and ultimate king of not only our hearts and lives, but the entire world. As we heard, every knee will bow to him one day. But this puts us in time and space in a collision with another procession that runs through history that's bubbling up powerfully in our culture right now. But it's not new. We've been here before. In this potential, though, of the clash of the two processions, the great potential is conversion, as it's happened before. You could say no collision, no conversion. And finally, our faith in Jesus Christ as the king and ruler of all ultimately puts us on a collision course with the rulers of this world. That is, if they do not trust in Jesus Christ, or at least are not sympathetic to and tolerant of Christians, then they will see Jesus Christ as a rival king and ruler. He is indeed not. He is the only king who can bring peace to their kingdoms. We saw it on the news this past week when the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury met two rival political leaders of warring factions in a country called Sudan, a country that's been ravaged by war and genocide. The meeting took place at the Vatican. When the political leaders entered the room, the Pope knelt and kissed their feet, the Archbishop of Canterbury joining him. As Christian bishops, not ruling as the leaders of this world, they humbled themselves. Together, the Pope and the Archbishop of Canterbury 
help these two political rivals make peace and stop the massive genocide that has killed millions in Sudan. And yes, along with those millions, many, many Christians have died. Not only Roman Catholic and Anglican, but, but of other denominations. Yet the king of the world, the true king of the world, Jesus Christ, even though in collision with the unbelieving leaders of this world, who want to be their own gods and demigods, to them Jesus Christ extends his palm branch and offers peace, the peace that only he can give, the peace that passes all understanding. For the followers of Jesus Christ are the only true peacemakers who can indeed deliver resolve to the world's arguments, quarrels, and yes, wars. Today, we are reminded that we are to rejoin the procession, the right procession, because two processions present themselves to us today. They are on collision course as they always have been through history. Hopefully, we are renewed in our resolve to stand firm in the right procession following King Jesus. So two processions enter Jerusalem on that day. The same question, the same alternative faces those who would be faithful to Jesus Christ. Which procession are we in? Which procession do we want to be in? Are we trying to straddle two processions at the same time? That is a formula for being ripped in half. You can't be in one procession and the other procession at the same time. You got to decide which procession am I going to stand in? This is the question of Palm Sunday and of this entire week that unfolds before us called Holy Week. A great writer with tremendous insight, the 19th century, A.W. Tozer, once wrote, the old cross slew men. The new cross entertains them. The old cross condemned. The new cross amuses. The old cross destroyed confidence in the flesh. The new cross encourages it. May God help us to join and stay in the right procession led by a cross. Amen.